May we hear your voice. May we hear your truth this morning. So Jesus, we pray, Lord, would you just come, Holy Spirit, stir some stuff up in our lives. Would we be challenged? And Jesus, we pray, would we not be the same as that we come? Would we walk out the door a different person transformed by your spirit? So God, we pray, as always, anything that's of me, Lord, might be just be forgotten and blown uh, away in the winds. But Lord, everything that's of you this morning, in this moment, would it just resound in our hearts? Would it stay? Would it change us? Would it transform us? Or would it bring life in Jesus' name? Amen. It's good to see you all. That's some good smiles, see? That's what we like. That's what we like. That's what, that's what we like. We're, this morning, we're going to be uh, talking a little bit about light-mindedness. I don't know about you, but... Although God has given us free will, we, we didn't choose our situation, our circumstances that we were born into. We didn't choose our parents. Some of you might have wished that you had a choice, but that wasn't the case. And so as we journey through life, um, stuff, ha- stuff happens. And it impacts, it influences our, our lives, our way of thinking, perhaps our behave, behavior, and and so when situations and circumstances and we find ourselves in a situation come our way, we find that we, out of nowhere, sometimes we, we say that, oh, we just didn't think, we just react, don't we? Or have you got those people in your life that, although God loves them, you're just naturally allergic to them? You know, as soon as you walk in, they, they just look at you in a certain way and you're wound up and you're thinking, yeah, okay, if I wasn't a Christian, mm-hmm, we'll be having words outside. Just me? Fantastic. See, I need to learn from you guys. And so, and sometimes someone just says something and even though it was said just passively, it wasn't meant aggressive, it, was, it's, it stirs something, it builds inside of you and just, it just presses that button. And... Perhaps we know why, perhaps we, we, we're still trying, perhaps you're still trying to decide. Perhaps you know why, but you don't want to recognize it, so you suppressed it for so long. But then as soon as that something happens, that rage just comes up and it just boils out and out of nowhere, the switch just goes and you see people just flipping and thinking, where did that come from? Growing, growing up, many of you know, um, I've struggled with um, dyslex- dyslexic and, and things like that. And that's a, that's a huge impact on uh, my life and, and how I acted growing up. And many people, when they growing up, was perhaps going outside, making friends, doing things. I found school and life really, really hard. There'll be the way my dyslexia works is that uh, my dyslexia. Apart from words, jump around, apart from a little bit of a stutter, um, it's in conversations. It can be something really simple, but my brain goes, nope, I don't get it. And it, it's, sometimes, there, and sometimes it's something that can be a really simple concept. It's like, take that box and put it over there. And if I'm having a bad day, my brain goes, no, nope, I don't get it. But when I do get something, my creative side flies, expands, and, you know, it's off, and I go above, way, way above, way above average. But sometimes in just day-to-day life, just general conversations, people say stuff, and I'm going, I don't know what you're saying. And so, and so a lot of going through school, a lot of going through high school, and bits and pieces like that, 
I found myself sitting in class going, I have no idea what you're going on about, mate. It's the fact that I, I came to an agreement with my French teacher that I was still learning English, let alone French. And so, um, so that, was the, that, was the, that was the agreement. And I learned what kind of a small bit, couple bits in French is, and I learned je ne comprends pas, which basically means I do not understand. And my name was James. And, and so whenever I said, James, what do you think? I went, je ne comprends pas. So that was my, that, that was my every single answer. That was my default. And, um, I, and so I spent a lot of the time because um, just facing and a little bit social awkward, quite, quite interested low. I like speaking to people, I like spending time with people. I, I'm introverted, I like, I, I like the quiet time, I like my own space. So I spent a lot of time, perhaps growing up where it's playing computer games or doing other things or doing art and quite bit by myself so I, re, I could reflect. It's that safe space where you just don't want to be dealing with people because they just think you're weird, they don't get you, they don't accept you and you just feel isolated anyway. So even if you're in a crowded room, and the music's going, or everyone's having a fun, and you just feel, I just feel so lonely right now because I don't see scenes. So my default is, I'll just go play on the computer, have, a, have, have some fun, watch a film, watch a movie, do whatever, I'll go play some sport with, with, with some friends um, when I can, but apart from that, it's, it's all good. The trouble is, when we go through life and things like that, and, and not just internal, but external things come and they affect us. The lies come in with that, don't they? So what starts out as perhaps a little bit of an insecurity, what's a bit of the truth, sometimes when we go through life, we believe sometimes a lie that comes your way. So for me, one of the lies that even can't, there, I know our uh, bad thing we've got going through. The enemy still tries to still tries to get in. It's like he go up to go up to go up to someone. He try and make conversations like, "I don't really like you." They're bored. Why don't you just go and speak to someone else? You're not good enough to be here. Why are you doing that? You might as well just give up. Do you really think he can do that? And the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. Anyone else feel like they're having a battlefield in their mind all the whole time? Sold, just me, great. We'll take that. We'll see that at the back. And, and so as we journey through this morning, we just want to kind of unpack this. And we're going to be starting off. And we're just going to read a few scriptures. We're going to be starting off in James. They're going to be coming up on the screen. Thank you to the tech, to the tech people at the back. Really appreciate it. So you go start off in James 1, James 1, 22 to 25 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks, see the words are jumping around, a man who looks um, intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he, what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and, per and perceives being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Romans 12, 2, we, it says, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds, that by testing you may discern 
what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable and perfect. Ephesians 5, 8 to 11 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Second Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, I thought I had a, I think I've deleted some, I've deleted something on my, on my notes, so I'm going to read it from up here. For, we, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not in the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey God. As we journey through our lives, and we know that the Bible is true. We know that when we read it, there is truth there. And we know when the Bible says, says that it's true and the truth will set you free, we know that the Bible and the power of the Bible, the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, the power of Jesus and God transforming our lives, there is power there. We know that when we, we speak Jesus, Jesus over things, we know that every needle has to bend. We know that Jesus is the name that Bible names. Jesus has all power and authority. And in an instant, he can set us free. But as we journey and as we go through life, Demi likes to press those buttons. He likes to say, is that true? Is that true? And bit by bit by bit, I don't know about you, but I found for myself, the animal, when we find ourselves in a situation and even though we know what is true, because of external situations that we perhaps we might not have control of, uh, that what impacts our life, that we might be in a group, and then, everyone, then all of a sudden everyone goes off for one day and leaves you behind him thinking, rejected again. The enemy comes in and goes, told you. That's you, that is. You should have just stayed at home. Why did you even bother? No one's going to love you. You think you've got friends? And he presses the button. And we know, for, um, and neuro, neuroscience has, 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 confer, has confirmed this, that when you think something, it's easier to think that thought again. And when you go down that line, and when the enemy pokes and keeps pressing that button, the more you speak that over your life, the more you speak that into your life, it's a little bit like if you lay a, a brand new bit of grass, nice fresh lawn, it's a bit like if you've got a cat, if you've got, fat, if you've got pets, you'll know this, when, if animals or if humans have a certain route and they just walk in a single line, over time, the grass dies on that path 
And even though you've got life either side, because everyone keeps, because that animal or you've walked up and down the garden to get to the garage or to down that certain path, that bit of grass dies. What was alive dies out and then you, you create a pathway. And the same with our minds that when you go when you go down certain routes and you're pressing and the enemy's pressing and you think certain things and you speak certain things over your life your brain starts starts to go is that a pathway and your brain starts to it's really fascinating when you start looking into it how your brain then starts making different connections and pathways to the point that even subconsciously as soon as you might someone might say are you uh, are you coming out you might go Going, going out tonight, okay, that's going to the pub, going to the club, try to get lucky, might have a hangover, next morning, next morning go wake up feeling sick and got the whole the next day getting over the hangover, is it worth it? And you do that in less than a second. And you say yes or no. And same thing with our reactions and our behaviours to, to people. It's fascinating how quickly when we believe stuff that, and believe and what we speak into our lives, the fact that the way it influences our brain, it influences our thinking. And the way that our default ways of thinking will then be ingredited, that even though there's life and there's truth, because we think a certain way, although there's truth, it, the truth gets distorted. And so we end up taking truth and exchanging it for a lie. And we're more happy living the lie than challenging it than living in the truth. Because it also says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. The enemy comes dressed like truth. Comes dressed like truth. I wonder for some of, some of you, and, and for especially for myself, what things have you been speaking into your life? What things have you been speaking about yourself for your whole, li- your whole life that simply aren't true? But you take them as truth because that's the way you've always done it. That's the way my teachers always told me I'll be nothing. My family and my friends said I couldn't do it, so what's, what's the point? Why bother? I'm just a waste of space. And perhaps there's things that have just been so implanted and so ingrained that it's actually almost a bit like a, the enemy's got a stronghold in some of your pathways and fit a part of your thinking because you've accepted that as truth and to expose it. What does, in Ephesians 5, it says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful of the work of the darkness, but rather expose them. The Bible is saying, get what you think. The thoughts that you're thinking expose them into light. When you expose things into light, they become visible. You can see them for what they truly are. But if you don't expose things into, into light, you'll never see what they truly are. What does Romans, Romans 12, we all know about the renewing of your mind, but what does it say? 
What's the key thing it says? Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. That's fantastic, but how do you do that? It says that by testing, by testing. How many of, you, how many of us test? When people speak, how often do we test? I think in this day, I think in this day and age, with technology and with the way sometimes um, Christianity is, is going, and that we're all guilty of it, sometimes we so want to hear a word from God that we'll go to conferences, we'll go to uh, meetings, and we'll. We'll gather all this information and they'll be in our journals, they'll be stored up on our phones and we'll be highlighting and we'll be doing stuff. And our hearts will be open to what people want to say and we're so open, but we don't engage our brain. And we don't test. And so when people give us, when someone gives us a word or speaks into and it's hurtful, or some people say, no, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be do, doing that. And say, so, you know, you should go and do this. And you end up going down and it all totally falls and collapses because you haven't tested what someone's spoken into your life. Someone says something nasty, someone says something nasty about you. You say something nasty about yourself. Good old James, you always make the mistake. If something's going to break, it's always you. Everyone else is fine. No one breaks anything. If something's going to break, it's used. Just confess, just own up. Where do those thoughts come from? Do we test them? How do we renew our minds? Yes, we, we have to work in, with, in partnership with the Holy Spirit. We have to work with Jesus. We have to work with God because they wants to reveal those truths and expose those lies in our life. But if we're not testing them, saying, God, is this really real? Is this really what scripture says? Sometimes we can use scripture a bit like a band-aid. We see it. Breaking strongholds. There's going to be a next breakthroughs just around the corner. And it might be all very well and true. But sometimes we use scripture to put a band-aid on something and not deal with the root of the issue. And so we have a good service, we have a good conference, and we're buzzing, but because we haven't said, okay, God, what's the issue here? What's the root cause? And we haven't dealt with it. Three or four days later, three or four days later, we're back to how we were because we haven't tested. We've just tried to put a bandage on it. We sometimes people say, I've got a headache, and some people say, Don't speak that over your life. You haven't got a headache. And he's just like, Yes, I have got one right now and people say that say that and they try and super and like almost super spiritualize it where actually when uh, and I, I take i haven't got i haven't got it up, up on slide but i take jesus in the in the garden of gethsemane when he's there and his disciples are praying slash asleep they're just resting their eyes he's there he knows what's ahead of him he knows what the pain that he's going to suffer. He knows what the society has done for him. The, the world has put this on him and he has to face it. But yet in that moment, he recognizes this is agony. And it says in Luke, it says he is in agony. That when he's praying, blood is coming out of his sweat. He's not saying, he's not putting a bandage over it. He's saying, God, 
this, you know the situation that I'm in. Is there any way that you can take this cup away from me? What's the cup? The full wrath of God is saying, can you take this away from me? Because he knows what it is. But even though he's not going to, he won't take that because he knows what he's got to do. That's why he's there. He turns that around and says, but not my will, but your will be done. There's that safe place where, of testing, saying, where's this current, where's this current for? But this isn't the way. Not my will, but your will be done. Even though he's ag- is in agony, you can see it, the blood coming out in, in his sweat, the, tor- the torment that, he's, that he's, he's there, he's, that he's resting, he's like, this is what I'm going to face. There's a safe place there. Sometimes the lies just sit about. And some of you, as you came in, I got you to write some of the perhaps worries, anxieties and, and things on a piece of card. And sometimes those truth were in light, but the enemy likes to keep them in darkness. New lighting systems get me. And so sometimes, even though we know they're true, we'll keep them in the darkness. Occasionally, we might bring them a little bit into the light, but we won't deal with it because the enemy wants you to keep those lies in darkness. And if you can keep them in darkness away, don't look at them. You don't need to. Just, just carry on. You're fine. Put them behind your back. Sit on them. If he keeps it in darkness, it can't be exposed. You won't expose them. You won't see the truth that's there because it's hard to see when it's in darkness. You, you keep the secrets. You keep things in darkness because you don't want other people to know the insecurities, the worries and fears. And some of you have kindly, and I've wrote some, and some of you kindly have wrote some as well. But when we have these things, we need to bring them into a safe place. We need to bring them into the presence of God in our quiet times, perhaps in the moments and the situations and circumstances that you're in, and expose them and say, Am I really rejected? Where's that come from? Is that true? Am I rejected? And we know that God has not rejected you. Other people in their humanity, in their fallenness, in their brokenness might have done things that you seem rejected. They might have cast you away, but Jesus has not rejected you. There are people out there who love you. There are people out there who care for you. There are people who will be your best friends. You might not have found them yet. I know that feeling. It took me a long while, but there are people that you are not rejected. Expose it. Who wants to rip it up? First come, first served. By the way, 
you don't you don't have to write you don't have to write anything on this card card if you just want to come rip point up come rip point up. It's first come first serve family am i even going to be a good father am i a good mum the family would be better off without me i don't deserve a family will i ever get a family what happens if my what happens if my children just walk away Am I enough for my family? Can I even be a good dad considering the dad that I had? Can I be a good role model to my kids and to other, other people because of the situations and circumstances that I've grown up? And the answer is yes, you can. You can be a good dad. Jesus is a role model of that. You can be a good, you can be a good mum. You can, be, you can live in a good marriage. Not all marriages break down. Just because your kids do something doesn't mean you're a bad parent. They make their own decisions. You do your best and then God does the rest. But as long as you're praying for them, they're in trouble. As long as you're praying for them, as long as you're there for them, as long as you haven't rejected them, as long as through thick and thin, I'm not going to give up on you, they're in trouble. God's on their case. Who wants to rip it up? There we go. I tell you what, John, both, both do it together. Tug of war. Christmas cracker. There you go. The cost of living crisis. Money. Jobs. How are we going to cope? I don't even... Uh, some of you are working... And I know some of you are working three or four jobs right now and you're, not, and you're only just paying the bills. What happens when the energy goes up again? When they say the prices won't go up, and they, they certainly will, because we, we all know that. What happens? Where's the security? Is my home going to go? All the things that come and the enemy comes, goes, why even, why even bother? Just, just give up. And all the insecurities that are going on with that. And we know that things might get tough in our lives. We know that we might be living on, on, the, on the bread line and things might be tough. But Jesus is our provider. He will look after you. He will look after us. You're not alone in this. But sometimes the enemy goes, just keep it, keep it to yourself. Don't let people know. But God knows all these things that are in the hidden place. When we think, oh, these are just hidden, I'm just going, everything's fine. Come to church, everything's fine, I'm okay. Believing those lies. Will Jesus really help us? Will God really be there? I mean, we have to bring it into light and say, even though things might not go our way, we might have to move or we might have to do something. There might be situations and circumstances outside of my control, but Jesus will still be there. Whatever way, shape or form it will be, I can trust him with my finances. Who wants to rip this up? First come, first serve. Go for it. Not loved. 
Who's ever felt not loved? Do my parents even love me? Do they even notice me? I know we took a, a young person to a uh, to Soul Survivor um, a number of years ago, and we picked them up. Uh, well, they they came to, they came to the church building, and when they turned up, all they had was what they were wearing. They didn't have any sleeping bag. They didn't have any clothes, and we had the form to take them. We're like, okay, so I had to swing by. Um, a, a shop to get them clothes for the week. The, but at the end of the week, when we dropped them the kid back off, the parent didn't even know that they'd left. I wonder sometimes, do you feel like that? Do people even notice that I'm gone? But let me tell you this you are loved. Sometimes in this society, we think, oh, it's about that. We get so transfixed on the dopamine hits. We need that next like on Instagram. We need that. But that's not, that's not love. You are loved by God. You're made in his image. He died for you. You set you free. You are loved. You're not rejected. You're not abandoned. He welcomes you into this family. There's nothing that you cannot, cannot do that won't separate him from. Even if you go for a wander and try to run away from him, he will hunt you down. It's a bit like taking, I will, I will find you, and I'm coming for you, whether you like it or not. He is there. You are loved. And even though humanity, we are jerks sometimes, we're an idiot sometimes, and we say things that we shouldn't say, and we do things that we don't do, you are loved and you are significant. Who wants to rip it up? Here we go. Go for it. You're loved. Worthless. How have you felt worthless? I know I certainly did do my exams, flipping neck. When you're sitting there and you got and not only you've got dyslexic, but you've got extra time so everyone walks out. Not only are you trying to struggle, not only are you trying to struggle and do something, but your an hour, your hour and a half exam turns into a three-hour exam, and everyone knows that you're in there. You get things wrong. You don't you don't understand. You can't do things. You can't do things right. I wonder how many of you feel worthless, hopeless. You're not. God has made you who you're supposed to be. He has not made a mistake. He's giving you gifts. He's giving you abilities that you can do. You're not worthless. If you're worthless, he wouldn't have died for you, but he died for you. You mean something. You have value. You are significant, and he will die again for you on the cross and come back to life and set you free. Why? Because you are his. You have worth. He wants to rip it up. There you go, buddy. Passing exams are money. God's got a sense of humor with that. <laughs> Always know. Passing exams. Can we do this? Am I even smart enough? Surely there's other people better than me that can do this job. A little bit like imposter syndrome. Some, I'm, see, for me, I'm still convinced one day all of you will find out what I'm really like and I'm gone. I think God's got a very good sense of humour. And you're thinking, really? 
passing exams. Will I be good enough? What can I do? I'm not smart enough. Have you seen those people? How am I going to provide? I've done this with my, some of you may know, I've, I, I decided to try and take back up my art. And art's a fascinating thing because you sit there in front of a blank piece of paper and, you, and you're drawing. And then when you're looking for inspiration, and you see what other people, you, what other people you do, you're thinking, going back to it a little bit like the worthless, you think, why, do, why should I even bother? There's so many other people out there who can do what I, who can do that this so much better. What's the point? The point is, some of you can do stuff, and yes, other people might be able to do some of the stuff that you do better, but he's made you to do what you can do. And you do it in your significant way that he's called you to do, because you have a level, and you will have a level of influence over certain people around in that area that you can bring the kingdom of God to. So some of, so some of you, and we, we see it all, sometimes we see it all the time that you can be in charge of a, a company and come to church and all that you're allowed to do is shake someone's hand at the door. And there's that frustration there. But if you take kingdom principles into the workplace, I'm going to be the best manager I can be. I'm going to pass my exams. I'm going to be the best manager I can be. I'm going to look after the people around me. I'm going to make sure they're okay. I'm going to be a pastor in that situation. I'm going to be a good shepherd of those people. I'm going to bring the kingdom values into that workplace. You can do it. He's called you. He's got purposes. He's got to bring people around you that you can influence, that perhaps no one else will influence. You can do it. Who wants to rip it up? I've got light shining. I get after. Literally, don't don't. Some, some of you thinking, I don't. I want to come up. I want to come rip something up, but I just don't want to come. Again, just come up. Trust. Can I really trust people? People are idiots. You tell them stuff, and they just let you let you down. Sometimes it's just better to do things yourself. Can I really trust God? Everyone else has let me down. He's got. As soon as it tough, the tough gets going, he's going to reject me, and he's going to be on the off. Can you trust? You can trust. We're sorry that you've been hurt. We're sorry that you've been perhaps used and abused. We're sorry that you have been taken an advantage of. But if you harden your heart, the enemy's won. But if you keep your heart soft, and open and allow God to protect you and bring in healthy boundaries, you can trust people. Some people we have to be wary of, because some people, although they say, are you okay? T tell me about it. They just, don't, they just want the goss, and they'll spread it. So you might have to be careful who we tell our information to, but going back to our relationship with Jesus, if there's anyone who we can trust, it is him. And we can say anything to him, even the wildest things. Can I really say that to him? Yes, you can, because he knows it anyway. And it's a safe place to do that. And in doing so, and in bringing stuff and exposing it and saying, God, can I trust you with my insecurities? Can I trust you with this? Can I trust you with these thoughts that I don't want to be thinking? I want to trust you with this. Can you set me free? In that process, he will set you free. You can trust him. He won't reject you. 
couldn't spike it up. Okay, do it together. That's what we like to see. How we so. rejection. Did we have rejection? Who wants to do rejection again? Give it a double take. There we go. There, okay, three of you. Okay, go for it. Triple. This is what we like to see. Go for it. Okay. Meetings, meetings, meeting family needs. Again, echoing on. Who wants to come do that? I'm going to, I'm going to, I tell you what, I'm going to leave this one here. If you want to come do it, come do it. Come rip it up. Meeting families needs. Old age. There's one. Be nurse of old age. Has God got anything for me? You're here. You're not old. <laughs> you can rip out. You can. You can rip that out, my friend. Old age. Has God got anything for me? Everyone seems to be speaking about the younger generation, but what about me? What happens when I go into the home? Who's going to Who's going to look after me? Who's going to care for my care for my needs? How's my health going to go? I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about my family. I won't, how, will I get, how will I get around if my mobility goes? There's so many worries with that, isn't there? Am I going to lose my home? Am I just going to go into a home and then my mind's going to go, what about dementia? What about all these other things that go? Am I going to lose my mind? Jesus says, cast your burdens onto him. He'll care for you. He'll look after you. You're not a waste of space. You've, God has always got something in store for you, even if it, I say even if it's something insignificant, but if it's just speaking to the people around you, the other people around you about Jesus, what has Jesus done for you? Talk about the goodness of God. You don't know who's sitting across the other side of the table, even if it's someone your age or someone younger, the advice that you give, the wisdom that you can give, if you bring kingdom values into that, you don't know what influence you can have on people. Even until your last breath, you have significance and you have a purpose and you have a calling. And don't let anyone tell you else. Hopeless. All felt hopeless. The enemy will always still look to steal your hope. If he can rob you of your hope, then you stop fighting. You give up. I will always be in this situation. I will always be unloved. I will always be rejected. And the list can go on and on and on and on and on. Hope. But our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in God. Our hope is in the restoring power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives that we, when we follow Jesus and we seek him and we look after him when we pray and we pray as we follow that he transforms our darkness into light. He exposes what was being there that is lies and he says there is hope. He is hope. We might be going through trauma. We might be going through hurt. We might be going through pain in this time. 
but he is there with you every single step of the way where we fail to be with you at some points and we apologize for that he is always with you here's your hope even your last breath breath there's a hope that we're not just made for this earth we're built and made for eternity to be in his image not the world's image you are significant you have a worth there is hope and the hope is jesus christ don't let the enemy don't let people steal your hope there's always hope who wants to, who wants to rip it up again i'll leave this down i'll leave this down here if you want to go for it go for it useless again goes to baddies can't do anything why even bother and this goes on and on and on doesn't it not true you're not useless you have gifts you have you have abilities you have callings he's given you a purpose you're not useless who wants to rip it up first confessor don't hold back go for it insignificant you're not insignificant you're significant you're made in his image you are significant he died for you he cares for you he loves you you are significant who wants to rip it up if you've been up before you can come again loneliness it's always going to be me always be lonely no one's gonna care for me no one's gonna love me I won't have any friends it's always going to be me it's not true We know that we are never alone because Jesus is with us everywhere we go. His Holy Spirit is in us. There's people out there who care for you. There's people out there who love you. Don't let the enemy tell you that you're good for being alone, that people will reject you. People won't reject you. Keep trusting. Keep trying to make friends keep fighting the other way the other insecurities you weren't built for being alone it's okay let's rip it up you got two in a one there you go do you want to share do you want to share one do you want to share one I wonder, they're just some that people are voting down, but we know there's loads more. There's loads more. But the enemy wants you to keep all this stuff in the dark, because where there's darkness, there's shame. There's guilt. There's condemnation. There's frustration. There's disappointment. 
Healing can't take place in this dark place. Bitterness, resentfulness, rejection of others. But if you bring all these, and the enemy will be fighting you at every single step of the way, but if you bring these into the light and say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, what is true here? In those quiet times, in those when we're having those conversations, if we be intentional about this and say, God, just like Romans 12 said, I want to transform my thinking. Why am I thinking this way in this situation? Can you expose the lie that I'm thinking? Can I take a step back from this situation? I'm not going to react. I'm going to take a step back. How am I, sound, how am I sounding to the other person? What are they saying? What emotions am I, are they giving me? What emotions are coming up? What, God, how do you want me to respond in this situation? What's your kingdom values? What are you wanting to say? And then I'm going to approach this situation, not out of wanting to kill someone and just shove someone down, you know, or do something, or react and shout or do whatever, and the anger or whatever burst out, or that rejection of I'm just going to go and walk away and go be by myself. God, how do you want me to act in this situation? And it's that process of saying, okay, I'm recognizing that I'm being triggered, I'm being hurt, I'm feeling these emotions, I'm recognizing that situation that I'm in, at this moment in time, I'm hurting. And saying, God, I'm recognizing that I'm hurting, but a bit like Jesus in Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done. Would you bring healing to this? Would you show what's the root cause of this? Would you bring healing? Would you bring me understanding in order that I may journey and may walk in the calling and the person who you've called me to be. Because I don't want to be transformed by the thoughts in the darkness and be turned into something that I'm not because you have made me in the image of God and you've called me to walk in the light and show the light that's in me to other people. Is this making sense? What things do you have to bring into the light? Is it our character? Is it our egos? Is it our selfishness? Is it our greed? Is it our behaviours? All these things, what we have to bring into the light and say, God, I'm going to expose these in a safe place. Would you show me? Because I don't want to live my life in darkness anymore. I don't want and almost like a shadow of death hovering over areas of my life because I'm just not seeing fruit in areas of my life. And sometimes there's a disconnect because what I know to be true, I might sing it, I might declare it, but when I go and come, even, even when I then get in the car and I'm driving home and someone cuts me up, I'm back to my, get out of the way, you jerk. Does that person even know how to drive? Look at that person parking. Did you hear that? What, did you hear what that person said to me in church? And then we go from the light and we come back to those places of hurt because there's a disconnect from what we know and how we then put things into practice 
But then when we take scripture that is true and it's a sword against the attack of the enemy. So when we come and the enemy brings our lies, we search scripture because the, the word is sharper than two edges short. It brings truth into our situations and the Holy Spirit works in that and speaks to our spirit and renews our minds when we focus and we meditate and we say, God, how's that reply? And become aware of our situations and surroundings and realize, actually, this is what I'm saying. Transformation starts to take place. Transformation starts to take place. And there's um, a, um, a new, the word's gone out of my mind now, new, neuroscience, and she's a, she's a Christian doctor, uh, Karen Leaf, and uh, it's the last slide, last slide, please, thank you. And she says that, and, she, and she's a Christian, and she's been studying the brain and the mind and thinking for, uh, for, for decades. And she, and, she say, and she says this, if you identify the issue, identify it, going, identify the issue. When you've identified it, gather awareness. When does this, when does this crop up? Why, why do I feel like this? And it combines with number, number three. Ask yourself questions. Why am I feeling like this? Where did this come from? And if you haven't got a safe person to talk to, because sometimes we haven't got a safe person because what we share stuff with, some people, that gets spread. Do this, more importantly, do this in your quiet times with Jesus. He'll give you such a more better revelation than any other person would. Spend your quiet time with God and just pray for these. Why am I like this? Why am I reacting to this? What's the cause of this? And it's not just dialogue and spend time listening. And she says, if you then have a, a, uh, a journal or a safe document or something on your, on your phone, what we're telling you is write your thoughts and that, those questions down. Write that part of that discussion and then also write the answers, then read what you've written. And in doing so, when you've discovered, okay, you've answered these questions, you've got this dialect, then... Be intentional about your decisions. What are you going to do today? Even if it's something small, that will change that way of thinking. Because going back to that grass analogy, if you, if you decide, I'm not going to walk down that center aisle on the grass, I'm going to take another route, over time, where that path would have been dead, the grass will grow back. And in the same way of our brains, it's our brains, when we have thoughts, when we have ways of thinking, that's living in our brain. Some, some of the decisions that we make are so instant, you know, even before we realise it, it's made, the decision's made. And the only way to kill off those and starve those ways of thinking is to create other paths that your brain starts to go, okay, no, this is the right way. And she, and she advises and she says, when working with the Holy Spirit and working in your quiet times, when you're praying to God, when you're, when you're meditating over scripture, over some of the issues that you might be facing, facing, if you can do this, when you get to four to seven days, she says, you'll start to see progress. But the danger with that is, when you get to four to seven days, you start to see progress. And so when you start to see progress, sometimes you give up and you, and you stop doing it. But because that memory hasn't been properly formed, that way of thinking has been properly formed, it then dies back.
when you stop doing it. Does that make sense? So she says, keep going. It's not about feelings. If you just want a feeling, you won't make it because not, not, you won't, you're not happy every single time. Not as Facebook, you know, you, you scroll through Facebook and everyone's having a way of time and you're just getting angry saying, why am I not there? But it's, about, it's not about feelings, it's about doing the right thing. It's about developing yourself. It's about developing characters. It's about developing your relationship with God. It's about not being transformed into the patterns of this world, but being transformed with the help of the Holy Spirit and the power of his grace and his mercy back into the image of God. And submitting those back. She says, if you do that, when you hit the 14 to 27 days, you'll see the impact in your life and other people will start to see that more and more and more. But don't stop. She says, depending on, uh, people are different, but depending on people, you need at least 63 to 100 days before that thought turns from something that's just in the background to a default way of thinking. Which is why a lot of people, New Year's resolutions don't last because you get to a certain point and you give up. Sometimes you do... Sometimes we read scripture and we, and we claim it and we do something, but it only lasts a period of time and then we give up and so it doesn't become a habit and so those thoughts die back and so we get this disconnect and we get this frustration and we perhaps think, why am I growing as much as I am? Why am I in my relationship with God as much as I am? Why is my behavior still like this? And God can set you free and he will set you free. Sometimes we just have to bring stuff before God and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. I'm angry, I'm jealous, I'm intimidated by other people's success. When I should be happy for people, I just want to drag them down. When other people get promotion, I just speak bitter about them. When all these things, because I'm just resentful in myself, because I'm not where I want to be. And we all struggle with, with that. I have a friend, and he's one of these annoying people who's just good at everything. Do you ever, have you got one of those friends? Yeah, and, and so wherever they put their mind to, they just exceed and excel. And so what will spell, and so for example, went, went fishing with, with this person and he put the rods, I, might have tell, I can't remember if I've told this story before, but he put the rods uh, in, in line in the, in the lake and then he spent the rest of the time on his games console. He played chess, he started at level zero. At the end of the day, he'd completed and beat all the levels and then he lifted his rod up and he had a fishing line and went, that was easy. And yet the whole day I hadn't caught anything. You ever have those people around you? Mm -hmm. And he's just like, bless you. Mm -hmm. May God's favour be upon you. Uh, and sometimes we wrestle with these because we don't want to see people succeed. And even society trains us in the way of thinking, because bad news and gossip, and we want to see people, we want the dirt on people. Instead of celebrating people's success, we tear people down. Instead of being confident in your ability, saying, God, do you know what? I might not be as good a drawing or draw as someone else, but God still give me that gift. And God, it's okay for that person to be best than me, and I'm going to celebrate them. I'm going to let my ego die down. I'm going to let my competitiveness a little bit die down. There's nothing wrong with healthy competition, but it can get out of hand. I'm going to let my selfishness die down. I'm going to submit it and say, God, may what I do glorify you. And may I be secure in who you've made me to be. 
And we see this with, with David in the Psalms. Time and time again, he pours his heart out to God, doesn't he? He pours his heart out to God. God, help me. Deliver me. My enemies are surrounding me. But time and time again, he says, God, you are my saviour. I can trust in you. There's this bringing stuff into God, being open with what he's sharing, and then also being open to what God wants to speak into his life. I can't see the time, sorry. Time's got... My watch has stopped. Can someone tell me this? Sorry. Thank you, Alan. Okay. Time flies when you're having fun. And so as we journey, and as we move, from this week, as we go forward, and as we enter in to, it'll be a new year coming soon, they say the best time for change is today. And, and sometimes it's a bit like, it's a bit like praying. You ever been sometimes, you, you, you're just having one of those days where you're just struggling, and you, you're sitting there, and you go, say, God, this is my quiet time with you, and um, you start praying, and then 10 seconds, you're just like, did I do that? I can't remember if, did I lock the car? Did I do that? And then you're like, I I'm supposed to be praying, come back. And sometimes we beat ourselves up over those times. But that's the enemy, don't beat yourself up. He knows, he understands, it's okay. And just see it as an opportunity for every time we get distracted, it's another opportunity for coming back to God and saying, God, I'm here. Turn the negativity around and say, God, I'm here, I'm present, would you speak to me? Expose the thoughts. Don't let things hide in the darkness. You're not called to just survive, you're called to thrive and to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the testing. Shall we stand? Let's pray. Jesus, we come into this point, into this moment. And Jesus, we just want to lift up all our insecurities towards you. The lies that we have been speaking over ourselves because we thought they were true, that our parents have told, that our friends have said, that our teachers have spoken. All these lies that the enemy has spoken into our lives that without realising subconsciously, we have believed, Jesus, we hand all of these over to you right now. Jesus, we bring them and we expose them before, your, before you. Holy Spirit, would you come and meet in our hearts right now? Jesus, I pray right now that you'll set people free. That shame will be gone. Condemnation, guilt, rejection, loneliness, fear, anxiety, doubt, hopelessness, worthlessness, insecure. having to be right. 
our egos, our greeds, our anger, our frustration, our disappointments. Jesus, you know where all of us are at. And Jesus, I pray in this time, would you set us free from the lies that the enemy has tried to speak over our lives? Jesus, I pray in this time, would we know your freedom? Jesus, we know that you say who the sun sets free is free indeed. Jesus, we pray, may we know freedom in this place. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we command all attacks from an enemy to be gone. And Jesus, would you shine your light? Would you show your grace? Would you shine your mercy upon us? Would you bring restoration where the enemy has done so much dis- destroying and killing? Would you turn those situations or would you bring life? Would there be fruit? Would it be not for our glory, but it would be for yours? And Jesus, would you help us to put the full armour of God on each day to be able to withstand the tax? But Jesus, we pray, and I pray, as individuals, as a family, as a community, when we bring the lies into your light, would you expose them? Would you give us the strength to stand? Would you give us the strength and the courage to expose these lies? Would you give us the strength to face the healing process, the hurt, the pain through the trauma that, of the past hurts that might come up? Would you help us in that? May help us trust in you that we know that you'll turn our lives around. That once was trauma, will be peace. That once was anger and frustration, will be joys of laughter. Jesus, we pray, would you come and would you have your way? Your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.